0: The, uh, the last song we sang in the Trinity, in verse 3, it says, And ever on our earthly path a gleam of glory lies. A light still breaks behind the cloud that veiled thee from our eyes. And, of course, we can all relate to some degree or another to to that experience of having the veil lifted and being given a, a vision of, of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. Um, For those of us who uh, may have come to faith later in life, um, that contrast of just being blind, not being able to see God and see His glory, and the veil being removed is very, very powerful. Um, And for those of us who uh, maybe may have believed from from very early on, um, we can still understand and relate to those times when, when the Lord reveals more of himself and his glory uh, to us. And uh, in, in verse 5 of that, that hymn, it says, That where thou art at God's right hand, our hope, our love may be, dwell thou in us, that we may dwell forevermore in thee. And that really ties to, to that that psalm, uh, to the theme of what we'll be talking about today. Uh, in Psalm 24, we read, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. And then uh, it says, Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. It's this, this call For the Lord and his glory to come in to a place. We read in in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament lesson, uh, the, the promise of the Lord that he would establish a place for Israel and set a place where he would cause his name to dwell. And of course, his name being really representing God himself. And uh, in that, in Deuteronomy, um, in chapter 12, he says, you shall not worship the Lord your God with with the idols, right? Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Uh, But the Lord continues, uh, but you shall seek the place What shall you seek? The place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. And we can all relate to the psalmist who says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, I just wanted to start off um, we're looking at the Upper Room Discourse in John chapter 14. The Upper Room Discourse is a name that people give to that, that uh, usually John chapter 14 through 17. It's uh, the longest recorded uh, single discourse that the Lord gives, the Lord Jesus gives. And uh, really it starts in chapter 13 in John, which is where uh, Jesus washes his disciples' feet at that Passover supper that they uh, celebrate together. And it continues on until um, the end of Jesus' prayer in, in John 17. And it's just a really powerful passage. And I've been uh, med- meditating on it a lot and reading through it a lot over the last month. And uh, I just want to, to share uh, some of those uh, things with you, those meditations with you. Um, and just as another... Uh, Interesting note that, um, that the, at, chapter, at the end of chapter 14, Jesus says, let us go from here, but then he continues talking, and it's not really clear. Um, perhaps he lingered longer in the upper room with them to, to say the other things, or perhaps Jesus along the way to, to go to the, the Mount of Olives, where, which is where they ended up uh, that evening. Perhaps he was talking to them. Perhaps they stopped somewhere else on the way. But uh, John presents it as a a continuous um, teaching that that Jesus gave them. So it's very, very precious teaching. Because this, of course, was on the very night on which he was betrayed. There are a lot of things that Jesus was saying that confused the disciples, that made them sorrowful. Um, But what Jesus had to say to them was really gospel, good news. And we're going to take a look at that. Uh, Let me just ask the Lord to bless our time. Lord God, um, I ask that you would take my uh, weaknesses and uh, my limitations. And uh, that you would just cause your word um, to go forth in all of our hearts, Lord. To draw us closer to you, into a closer walk with you, Lord that you might be glorified in our lives. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Have you ever spent significant time with somebody that you really loved? Um, Someone that you looked up to? Someone you felt good being around? Someone you felt safe being around? Perhaps someone who, the things that they say, you really hung on on their every word. They had lots of wisdom, or perhaps they were just very uh, interesting. uh, But someone that you were close with, and then, someone whose insights you love to hear, and what did it feel like when it came time to part ways? I remember as a kid, um, I had cousins that were close to, to my age and my brother's age. We were all very close in age. And uh, so they were our age, a little bit older. And we grew up in New Jersey together, then they moved out to Illinois. And they would come every summer and spend a week with us. And we just loved that time. And I always remember the last day when they, it was time for them to go back to Illinois, how sad I would feel and depressed and, and even shed some tears. And uh, we had this routine every time. That on the last day, as the parents are saying goodbye, the aunt, my aunt and uncle to my parents, and they're doing one last pass through the house to make sure they didn't forget anything, my brothers and I would get into their van. They had this big conversion van. We would hide behind the seats. And then my uncle would get in and start driving down the road. It would, we would, would wait until he had already driven down the road a little ways before coming out and saying, we're coming to Illinois with you. <laughs> Sorry, we can't do that. Not today. And they'd drive us back around and we'd feel sad again. And um, Jesus, uh, multiple times, as he's there with them during the Last Supper, he's washing their feet. And he says this thing to them. He says to them, um I'm going away. Just just six days before that, or five five or six days before that Passover meal at Lazarus's house, Mary and Martha's house, Jesus had said to them in uh, chapter twelve, verse seven and eight. He says, after uh, Mary had poured all the oil, and Judas objects. Of course, we know why he objected, but uh, he says, "Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor, you have with you always." But me, you do not have always. So the disciples hear this. You do not, me, you do not have always. And then again in, in verse 13, uh, at, in the upper room now, as uh, they are finishing the supper, Jesus says, or John introduces uh, this, this part of the passage and says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end and then Jesus himself says in in uh in that upper room, he says, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. you will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. so I now say to you, and then again he says to Peter directly in thirteen thirty six he says When Simon said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you shall follow me afterward, he tells Peter. Right? And then again, to to them all, in that upper room discourse in 1628, he says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So the disciples, they're not sure exactly what, what he means by that. But... Sorrow fills their hearts because this Jesus they've been with for three years and this Jesus is the very expression of God's love to the world. He's now leaving them. But Jesus says in uh, in 1428, he says, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the father for my father is greater than I little, little bit of an enigmatic statement there. And so what, what is this all about that Jesus is leaving? Well, now, to turn to our, to our text, the, the portion of the Upper Room Discourse that we read uh, at the beginning, Jesus starts off by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus had just repeated to his disciples and to Peter, I'm going away and you cannot follow me. But He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So if you believe in God. Believe also in me. In me. Believe the words that I'm speaking to you. And what does Jesus continue to say? He says, In my Father's house, where I am going, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, that I go to prepare a place for you. Now, a quick note on the, the word mansions there. In the Greek word, it's meno. And um, the, in the Latin, Vulgate uh, one of the earliest translations um, earliest kind of universally read translations uh, it uses the the latin word mansio i'm a latin teacher at, at school and uh, mansio means uh, in, in, as it's declined with different, end- different endings Another other is mansiones and that's kind of where the english word mansion comes from and in the older when the king james was written and the word the translators chose the word mansion. It had a different meaning than it has today. Now, when I say mansion, what do you think of? Big house. Big house. Who, who, who wouldn't want to live in a mansion, right? Big house. Um, but at, in, uh, in, when the, it was translated originally, mansion just simply meant a, a place of abode, where you live. It didn't necessarily mean a big room. So, um, there's a, even there's a note in my a New King James where it says that... Um, that word can be uh, translated as, um, as dwellings. So it's, it's more accurately, think of it as a dwelling. And Jesus says, in my father's house, and that word house is oikos, which in the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament that was used by Jews, um, that was the word that was used to refer to the temple, the house of God the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, the oikos, the house of the the Lord. Jacob, when he has a dream and he sees the the ladder going into heaven and he sees angels ascending and descending and he wakes up and he says, wow, he says, how awesome is this place? This is the very house of God, the oikos of God, the house of God. So what does Jesus say? I'm going Back to the father to my father's house and he says in my father's house there are many dwelling places there are many places to live and I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can live in my father's house in the house of the Lord so now as we start to understand that we can say Jesus is going to prepare a place for us in the, in the house of God, I guess it is a good thing that Jesus is going. I go to prepare a place for you. you What's know, even more um, astonishing when we consider <clears throat> the house of the Lord in Ephesians, uh, Kurt, Brother Kurt read that earlier in, the, in our service. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verses twenty through twenty-two, where Jesus, or where, where the scriptures say, "Now in Christ Jesus," in verse eighteen, uh, through Him, through Christ Jesus, we both have access by one Spirit to who, to the Father. He says, "You're no longer strangers and foreigners." but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God, the household of God. You're mem- now members through Jesus in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. What was the temple referred to in the Old Testament? The house of God, the place where he caused his name to dwell, where he dwelt. But now it says in Christ we're being fitted together to grow into a holy temple. We are growing into a holy temple, into the house of God. And he says, in whom, in Christ Jesus, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God. So we, in Jesus, are being built together into a dwelling place for God, for God to live. So this God, right? Right? He says, and Solomon says, the highest heavens cannot contain you. And in Isaiah 66, the Lord says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you would build for me? Have not my hands made all these things? But here we're told that in Christ Jesus, we are being built into a dwelling place for God to to live among us by the Spirit. Now, He's going to prepare a place for us. He keeps saying, I'm going to leave you. I'm going uh, a little while and you will not see me any longer. Where is Jesus going? Where is, where is he going that Peter can't follow him? He's going first to where? The night he was betrayed. Where did, where did that end? Calvary. Calvary to the cross. Now, is that Jesus preparing a place for us? Their father's house? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Look at Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 9, it's a very interesting thing that that, uh, the scriptures say here. When it's describing the old temple, right, before Jesus had come, the house of God, he says, uh, the writer says, now when these things, this is chapter 9, verses 6, 6 through 8. Now when these things had been thus prepared, meaning the, the temple, the tabernacle, when these things had, had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. You, you recall, there was an outer place where the priests would prepare the sacrifices and do the sacrifices. And then there was an inner place called the, the most holy place or the holy of holies. And that place, who, who was allowed into that place? The high, priest. the high priest. And could he go anytime he wanted? No. How many times? How often could he go in? Once a year. Only once a year. A most sacred place, the Holy of Holies. And in verse 7, he says, Into that second part, the high priest went alone, and only once a year, and not without blood, which he offered for himself first, and then for the people's sins that were committed in ignorance. In verse 8 here, this is very interesting. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. And elsewhere in Hebrews, the writer says that it was Jesus himself that entered into that true most holy place. The one that the, the earthly Temple and the holy place was only a shadow of the true holy of holies, which is the very presence of God in heaven. And it says that Jesus entered into that place by his own blood. And he opened the way for us to be able to come in to that holy place with confidence, the writer of Hebrews says. It's interesting in Isaiah... Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah himself was brought into that most holy place. If you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. In the very first verse, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, High and lifted up. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. This is the Holy of Holies. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Even the seraphim had to cover their eyes and their feet. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. This temple was, was shaken and filled with smoke. And this is what Isaiah says in response to this Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm done. I'm destroyed because why? Because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Who is this King of glory? Psalm 24 says the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the Lord of hosts. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory and the King of glory shall come in. Now, how can we enter into the the Holy of Holies without being destroyed? It's through Jesus, through what he has done. Before Jesus went to the cross, that Holy of Holies was still closed off to us. We could not enter that place without Jesus doing what he did. And the disciples didn't understand that, but Jesus had come to bring them into the presence of the Father, to bring them into the presence of the Father without being destroyed, so they could come into the presence of the Lord of hosts and call him Father. Father. So Jesus was went to the cross to shed his blood so that he could then go into the holy, the most holy place with his blood shed on that cross to open up the way so that we could be in the very presence of God. Now, one thing that I've I've always thought growing up um, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. And I think of that, I've often thought of that in the past as one day when this corruptible body puts on incorruption and I I receive the full inheritance and am glorified in God's presence, then I will be able, able to enter into the dwelling place of God. There's a Principle that theologians often talk about when we're looking at the scriptures and the promises that we have in the gospel. The already not yet. And there is a sense in which we are not yet in God's presence in its fullness. But there is a real sense in which we are already ushered into the presence of God. As as we read in Ephesians, God is forming us into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And that's why Jesus says to them, he says to them in uh, John 14, uh, 28, in, in, in verse 28, he says, You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the father for my father is greater than I Now, Jesus, um, when he says, you would rejoice, because I said I'm going to the Father, he's going back to the Father for a reason. Not to leave them, but to prepare a, a place for them. And not only to prepare a place for them in the future, but to prepare a place for them that while they walk on earth, and while we our journeying, as we, as, as the, the, the hymn that we sang earlier said, as we go on our journey, walk through our journey on this earth, that we can be in the presence of the Father. Listen to what, what Jesus said in chapter 14, in verses uh, 20, in verse uh, 20, uh, or sorry, verse 23. 21, is 21 through 23. We'll start at 21. It says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So that Jesus is talking about when he goes back to the right, ascends to the right hand of the Father, and goes back to the Father. He's going to be in a place where the world will not see him. Right now, if anyone walked into that room, they would have seen Jesus as he was talking to them. But he's going back to the Father, and he says, I will manifest myself to you. And Jesus says, Well, how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we. I and the Father will come to him and make our home with him. Now it's interesting, the only other place in in the New Testament that that word meno is used, that we talked about in my Father's house are many, meno, the um, many dwelling places. The The only other place of that word, dwelling place, is right there. We will come to him and make our dwelling with him. We'll make our dwelling with him. The, the next, next time, uh, we'll go into a little bit more about uh, the Spirit that God promises to spend, the Spirit of God. But um, when Jesus promises that I and the Father will dwell in you, He's saying, you do not have to be sad. Because I'm going so that the fullness of the Father, I and the Father might be with you right now for them. Jesus is with them when they're with him, right? And you can think about the time when, he, when they went into town to get some food while he spoke with the woman at the well. Were they with him in that time? No. There, was, there were times of separation. They would come back to him, leave him, come back. But Jesus is saying to them, I'm going back to the Father so that I and the Father will make our dwelling. We will abide and stay in you so that no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you, no matter who leaves you, I and the Father will be with you, the Spirit will be with you. I just want to say one other thing, um, going to the end of that upper room discourse, it's very interesting, along those lines, uh, right before he goes into his prayer, Jesus says to them in, in chapter 16, uh, verse 32, he's coming to a close here of his time with them, and, and with his upper room discourse, right before he goes to pray to the Father, he says, Indeed the hour is coming. Yes, it's now come that you will all be scattered, each to his own, and you will leave me alone. Now, if we put ourselves in Jesus' shoes, how would we feel about that? Knowing that we're about about to experience everyone leaving us, everyone forsaking us, and taking on the, the burden of the sins of the world. But Jesus says, you all leave me alone, and yet, I am not alone. Why not? Because the Father is with me, he says. And then he says, these things I've spoken to you, so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. That's part of being in this world. But... He says, be of good cheer. You don't have to despair when you go through tribulation. Take heart, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I am going back to the Father to prepare a place for you, so that where I am with the Father, you may also be. I prepare a dwelling place for you. And I and the Father, if you love me, I and the Father will love you and make our home and dwell in you and you will not be alone so if this is the case how much of an encouragement is that for us that the father and the son and the spirit are in us and dwelling among us and dwelling in us we are never alone Um, one last thing, Jesus says to, to, to his disciples, going back to, to chapter 14, verses, um, verses, uh, one through, through six, he says in the first one, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And, uh, he says, I go prepare a place for you. And, In verse 4, he says, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas confuses, "We, we don't know where exactly you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way. Jesus is the way to have fellowship with the Father, to be with the Father. And Jesus continues, he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You know him, the Father, and have seen him. And Philip says, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus says, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is already showing them the Father By being with them because he is in the father and the father is in him. And it's interesting that Jesus says repeatedly to them, he says in in verse 10, he says, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. So everything that Jesus does is the father doing the things in him. The works, the things that Jesus did, healing of the sick, the restoring of sight to the blind, raising from the dead, the cleansing of the lepers, the preaching of the good news to set the captives free, those words were from the Father. That was the demonstration of the love of the Father. Jesus going to the cross, he did that in obedience to who? To the Father. Because the Father was revealing his love through Jesus I want to look at uh, one last passage here in in First John chapter four. First John chapter four, verse nine and ten. He says, "In this, the love of God was manifested towards us." that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is why the Father sent the Son, because of His love towards us, so that we might live through Him. And in verse 10 it says, "In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So Jesus is telling Thomas, or Philip, He says, uh, when you see me and you see the works that I do and you see what I do and when you understand what I do on the cross in that day, you will know the Father's heart towards you. You will know how much he loves you. And if the Father, the love of the Father dwells in us because the Father and the Son dwell in us, ought we to love one another? Ought we to love one another so my challenge to to you and to myself is this if the father loves us if the father and the son and the spirit dwell in us ought we also to have that love to demonstrate that love for one another And how, how do we seek God if He dwells in us? How do we seek Him in the place where He dwells? Well, who, who is now the temple of the Lord? The Holy Spirit. church of the Lord. Yeah, the, the church, right? We are the temple for the Holy Spirit. God dwells in us by His Spirit, the body. That's right. And as, as David said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go. To the house of the Lord. So when we gather together, we don't need a physical building. You you guys all well know that. You can can be in a house. You can be in the park. When we gather together, we are seeking the Lord through His dwelling in us. And in Hebrews, it reminds us of that, that very thing when it, when it says, when the scripture uh, tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. But what? To encourage one another. Right? While it's still... That's exactly right. As we see the day approaching. Amen. And then in, in chapter 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holies, the holiest place. Now we have boldness to enter that place. Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am undone. That's right. Had Christ yet gone to the cross and opened the way to the most holy place? He had not yet done that. But now we have boldness to enter that place by the blood of Jesus. Not by our own righteousness, but by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. We have a high priest over the house of God. Therefore, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also, right? And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So let us consider how we might stir one another up to love and good works the love of the Father, the works of the Father. Right? Jesus says, The works that I do, you will do also. Why? Because He dwells in us. And He's working His works in us. He's working His love. When you go out and preach the gospel in the streets, you're doing the work of the Father. He's doing, He's accomplishing His work through you. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. That's right. Amen. Amen. And as you preach the word, as you proclaim the gospel, you're doing the works. The Father, And as you love one another and you demonstrate that true agape love, not considering ourselves more important than another, but considering others' interests above our own, we demonstrate the Father. We know. That's how we know the love of the Father. Jesus says, remember, he says, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. That's right. And in that day, you will know that I am my Father, my Father in me, and I in you. That's right. So why don't we just close and ask the Lord, thank Him for what He has done for us, for His dwelling in us. Thank Jesus for showing us the way to the Father and ask Him to to accomplish his, His work in through us. Lord God, we thank You so much that You loved us, that You loved us so much that You sent Your own Son to die for us, to be the propitiation for our sins so that we could enter into Your presence with confidence. Having our consciences sprinkled, not by the blood of animal sacrifice, but by the sacrifice—the blood of Jesus—sacrificed on the cross. We thank you for opening that way to us, Jesus. We thank you for showing us the Father, for showing us the love of the Father. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son, sending your Spirit into our hearts, and building us into a dwelling place for you. God, we want, we want to be. Uh, faithful witnesses for You. We want Your love and Your glory to dwell in us. We want You to accomplish Your works in us and through us that the world might know You through us, Lord, as we know You, Father, through Your Son, Jesus. We ask, Lord, that You would uh, exhort us by Your Word that where uh, we are uh, tempted, where we are... um, uh, enticed to go astray by our own uh, fleshly desires, that you would remind us that you are dwelling in us, Lord, and that you have washed us clean by the blood of Jesus, that you would cause your word to to uh, stir us up to love and good works, God. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us, for removing the veil that once covered our eyes and kept us from beholding the glory of the gospel of God in the face of Jesus. We thank you for removing that veil and we ask that you would continue to give us eyes to see your glory and to walk in you. We ask these things through Jesus, our high priest. Amen. Amen.